0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Defense Department is becoming more reliant on commercial cloud computing, and that means it needs more than one option. The relatively tiny Defense Innovation Unit recently settled on Google Cloud for a production contract. The company's security framework around the cloud mirrors that of the Defense Department's cloud access point. Federal News Network's Scott Mascione talked about the contract with DIU Cyber Portfolio Manager Richard Simon. The DOD
2: today mandates the use of a cloud access point. It's it's known as the CAP, uh, through which the DOD users must pass in order to connect to cloud service providers. It's a essentially a security gateway uh, between the cloud service providers and the DOD network, protecting the network from cybersecurity vulnerabilities in the cloud. It, challenge diu had is is that uh, the existing cap architecture has scalability performance and usability constraints that make it really difficult for us to fulfill our own mission you know in particular we extensively collaborate with small technology companies that that don't know the ways of the dod and how to connect with it and how to share information and and how to do something as simple as a video conference. It's a really difficult thing to do with the DOD unless you are very ingrained and familiar with how the DOD works. So we wanted to find a way to provide the equivalent level of security and control to the CAP, the thing I mentioned at the beginning, uh, while eliminating all the complexity of it. We wanted to prototype three different approaches not really in a bake-off kind of format, but in a format of exploring different ways to solve the problem. Uh, And we signed three other transaction authority prototype contracts, uh, one with Zscaler, one with McAfee, and the third one with Google. And we ran a a prototype project, or ran three prototype projects for uh, about a
0: year. In terms of this, the CAP, you know, what exactly were you hoping to get out of that when it came to cloud? Is this something that you could scale across the defense department? Is this something that all service members could use for cloud? What is the point of the CAP uh, cloud and, and what would it be used for ultimately once it's developed to its fullest extent, if it gets to that point?
2: We were essentially trying to solve our own problem. We wanted an alternative to the CAP that could be used by ourselves when we engage with those small technology companies. What we actually discovered during the course of the project is uh, DIU is not alone in uh, having this problem of of connecting outside the friendly confines of the DOD. I probably briefed 15 to 20 different DOD entities on this uh, project that we were working on to solve our own problem and they they have been very interested in the results that we got you know ultimately we will need to be authorized a provisional authorization to use this alternative method of providing security and control when connecting to uh, cloud services so knowing that at the end of the day we would need to get the approval of DISA, uh, which is the Defense Information Systems Agency, uh, we decided to build a disciplined approach to assessing each of the solutions. And so we used the very same um, guidance that DISA is using to implement the CAP. And so we, we drew that all out into a set of tests We also added a bunch of other tests around zero trust because that is the direction of the DOD, Uh, some and various other uh, assessment criteria that we thought would be important uh, when we went to seek provisional authorization with DISA. So so, uh, we ran these projects, the three vendors brought in their third party assessing organizations to assess the solutions Against that criteria that we developed, uh, along with DISA, by the way, we we actually went to the mother ship and asked for their assistance in developing the assessment criteria, uh, and then we, you know, the third-party assessing organizations assessed them, and produced a report, and that report, those reports, have become the basis of what the what DISA will use to determine whether this can be authorized as an alternative to their CAP system. And we're in that process right now. The The projects themselves are over, the prototype projects are over, and we are engaged with DISA to uh, determine whether the solution that we selected uh, can in fact be an alternative to their CAP technology.
0: So you've started this with Google, and what did Google offer that was particularly exciting for you and, and that made you want to go with the, the production contract with them? And what might they bring to DoD as an alternative that maybe they're not getting right now?
2: First and foremost, all three vendors delivered very well on the criteria that we had outlined. They all uh, you know, were over 90% of the criteria they were fully compliant with. Uh, And so we we actually could have uh, picked any of the three solutions. Uh, They all delivered fast, secure, and controlled access uh, to SaaS apps, equivalently uh, providing equivalent control to the CAP. Um, They all, as it turns out, even though this wasn't part of the original RFP, all of the solutions uh, provide really robust zero trust capabilities and so uh the they they they, you know that is the general direction of the dod is in the direction of zero trust all three vendors receive success letters uh and that means that any of those vendors can uh solicit business within the dod without having to re-compete uh which is terrific and uh, you know and for us we could have We could have picked any of those three solutions.
1: Richard Simon, a cyber portfolio manager with the Defense Innovation Unit, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Mosseone. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. And Scott joins me now with another piece of news, Scott, and that is Pentagon people in the building can now speak with one another. They can talk about Russia with their mouths exposed.
0: That's right. Well, this is just right now at this point in the Pentagon reservation, and that includes all the facilities within Arlington County. And that's because Arlington County itself has moved into a lower risk mandate for COVID-19. So this is the first time in 2022 that workers within the Pentagon and other facilities in the Pentagon reservation will be able to talk without masks. What the Pentagon did is it moved from Health Protection Condition Charlie to Bravo, which is quite a big move considering they had this... Bravo Plus, that they were using during the Delta variant in between. So, this is the uh, most lax restrictions we've seen really since last summer.
1: Got it. And so, this is optional then for masks. People in the Pentagon that still want to wear them can, and being a little bit of a risk adverse type of building, I suppose a lot of people will still keep them on.
0: That's right. If you're immunocompromised, if you don't feel comfortable, then you are most certainly welcome to wear a mask. And the Pentagon is still encouraging people to separate six feet apart. And this Health Protection Bravo also has some restrictions still in there. Office capacities can only be at 50 percent. Meetings need to be under 50 people. So this isn't a return to regularity as much as it seems by taking the masks off, but it's certainly going to help people feel a little bit better walking around a little more comfortable.
1: Federal News Network Scott Mocione, once again, thanks so much. Thank you. And check out that story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
3: Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity, and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of venture-backed Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses, and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome, and thank you for being
4: here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
3: Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader, and what was it about them that inspired you?
4: So there are actually two people. Um, The first person personally was my mom. Uh, She was a single parent. And what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, She was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing Worked during the week uh, in a full-time job and then clean houses on the weekend, but also took care of elderly folks and was so much advocate for elderly rights. Um, so that was probably the, the first leader. And then I would say the second leader
3: As a company grows, WEPA is growing as well. And you are so spot on. We have, as as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy.
4: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely.